Chapter Three of Uncle Silas by Joseph Sheridan Lefanu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, A New Face. I think it was about a fortnight after that conversation in which my father had expressed his opinion and given me the mysterious charge about the old oak cabinet in his library, as already detailed that i was one night sitting at the great drawing-room window lost in the melancholy reveries of night and in admiration of the moonlighted scene i was the only occupant of the room and the lights near the fire at its farther end hardly reached to the window at which i sat the shorn grass sloped gently downward from the windows till it met the broad level on which stood in clumps or solitarily scattered some of the noblest timber in england Hoar in the moonbeams stood those graceful trees casting their moveless shadows upon the grass, and in the background, crowning the undulations of the distance, in masses, were piled those woods among which lay the solitary tomb where the remains of my beloved mother rested. The air was still, the silvery vapour hung serenely on the far horizon, and the frosty stars blinked brightly every one knows the effect of such a scene on a mind already saddened fancies and regrets float mistily in the dream and the scene affects us with a strange mixture of memory and anticipation like some sweet old air heard in the distance as my eyes rested on those to me funereal but glorious woods which formed the background of the picture my thoughts recurred to my father's mysterious intimations and the image of the approaching visitor, and the thought of the unknown journey saddened me. In all that concerned his religion, from very early association, there was to me something of the unearthly and spectral. When my dear mamma died, I was not nine years old, and I remember, two days before the funeral, there came to Knoll, where she died, a thin little man with large black eyes and a very grave dark face he was shut up a good deal with my dear father who was in deep affliction and mrs rusk used to say it is rather odd to see him praying with that little scarecrow from london and good mr clay ready at call in the village much good that little black whippersnapper will do him with that little black man on the day after the funeral i was sent out for some reason for a walk my governess was ill i know and there was confusion in the house and i dare say the maids made as much of a holiday as they could i remember feeling a sort of awe of this little dark man but i was not afraid of him for he was gentle though sad and seemed kind he led me into the garden the dutch garden we used to call it with a balustrade and statues at the farther front laid out in a carpet pattern of brilliantly coloured flowers we came down the broad flight of con stone steps into this and we walked in silence to the balustrade the base was too high at the spot where we reached it for me to see over but holding my hand he said look through that my child well you can't but i can see beyond it shall i tell you what i see ever so much i see a cottage with a steep roof that looks like gold in the sunlight there are tall trees throwing soft shadows round it and flowering shrubs i can't say what only the colours are beautiful growing by the walls and windows 
and two little children are playing among the stems of the trees and we are on our way there and in a few minutes shall be under those trees ourselves and talking to those little children yet now to me it is but a picture in my brain and to you but a story told by me which you believe come dear let us be going so we descended the steps at the right and side by side walked along the grass lane between tall trim walls of evergreens the way was in deep shadow for the sun was near the horizon but suddenly we turned to the left and there we stood in rich sunlight among the many objects he had described is this your house my little men he asked of the children pretty little rosy boys who assented and he leaned with his open hand against the stem of one of the trees and with a grave smile he nodded down to me saying you see now and hear and feel for yourself that both the vision and the story were quite true but come on my dear we have further to go and relapsing into silence we had a long ramble through the wood the same on which i was now looking in the distance every now and then he made me sit down to rest and he in a musing solemn sort of way would relate some little story reflecting even to my childish mind a strange suspicion of a spiritual meaning but different from what honest mrs rusk used to expound to me from the parables and somehow startling in its very vagueness thus entertained though a little awfully i accompanied the dark mysterious little whippersnapper through the woodland glades we came to me quite unexpectedly in the deep sylvan shadows upon the grey pillared temple four-fronted with a slanting pedestal of lichen-stained steps the lonely sepulchre in which i had the morning before seen poor mamma laid at the sight the fountains of my grief reopened and i cried bitterly repeating oh mamma mamma little mamma and so went on weeping and calling wildly to the deaf and the silent there was a stone bench some ten steps away from the tomb sit down beside me my child said the grave man with the black eyes very kindly and gently now what do you see there he asked pointing horizontally with his stick towards the centre of the opposite structure oh that that place where poor mamma is yes a stone wall with pillars too high for either you or me to see over but here he mentioned a name which i think must have been swedenborg from what i afterward learnt of his tenets and revelations i only know that it sounded to me like the name of a magician in a fairy tale i fancied he lived in the wood which surrounded us and i began to grow frightened as he proceeded but swedenborg sees beyond it over and through it and has told me all that concerns us to know he says your mamma is not there she is taken away i cried starting up and with streaming eyes gazing on the building which though i stamped my feet in my distraction i was afraid to approach oh is mamma taken away where is she where have they brought her to i was uttering unconsciously very nearly the question with which mary in the grey of that wondrous morning on which she stood by the empty sepulchre accosted the figure standing near 
your mamma is alive but too far away to see or hear us swedenborg standing here can see and hear her and tells me all he sees just as i told you in the garden about the little boys and the cottage and the trees and flowers which you could not see you believed in when i told you so i can tell you now as i did then and we are both i hope walking on to the same place just as we did to the trees and cottage you will surely see with your own eyes how true the description is which i give you i was very frightened for i feared that when he had done his narrative we were to walk on through the wood into that place of wonders and of shadows where the dead were visible he leaned his elbow on his knee and his forehead on his hand which shaded his downcast eyes in that attitude he described to me a beautiful landscape radiant with a wondrous light in which rejoicing my mother moved along an airy path ascending among mountains of fantastic height and peaks melting in celestial colouring into the air and peopled with human beings translated into the same image beauty and splendour and when he had ended his relation he rose took my hand and smiling gently down on my pale wondering face he said the same words he had spoken before come dear let us go oh no 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 not now i said resisting and very much frightened home i mean dear we cannot walk to the place i have described we can only reach it through the gate of death to which we are all tending young and old with sure steps and where is the gate of death i asked in a sort of whisper as we walked together holding his hand and looking stealthily he smiled sadly and said when sooner or later the time comes as hagar's eyes were opened in the wilderness and she beheld the fountain of water so shall each of us see the door open before us and enter in and be refreshed for a long time following this walk i was very nervous more so for the awful manner in which mrs rusk received my statement with stern lips and upturned hands and eyes and an angry expostulation i do wonder at you mary quince letting the child walk into the wood with that limb of darkness it is a mercy he did not show her the devil or frighten her out of her senses in that lonely place of these swedenborgians indeed i know no more than i might learn from good mrs rusk's very inaccurate talk two or three of them crossed in the course of my early life like magic lantern figures the disk of my very circumscribed observation all outside was and is darkness i once tried to read one of their books upon the future state heaven and hell but i grew after a day or two so nervous that i laid it aside it is enough for me to know that their founder either saw or fancied he saw amazing visions which so far from superseding confirmed and interpreted the language of the bible and as dear papa accepted their ideas i am happy in thinking that they did not conflict with the supreme authority of holy writ leaning on my hand i was now looking upon that solemn wood white and shadowy in the moonlight where for a long time after that ramble with the visionary i fancied the gate of death hidden only by a strange glamour and the dazzling land of ghosts were situate 
and I suppose these earlier associations gave to my reverie about my father's coming visitor a wilder and a sadder tinge. End of chapter 3